Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover, step back. Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. Right here on 960theref.com. Episode number 78. It is the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen here on 960theref.com. Of course, maybe you've downloaded us on uh, iTunes as well. I'm Chris Brain from the home team. David Johnston with me from the uh, morning show. And we've got a couple big things we'll cover today as we uh, record this. We are less than a week away from Georgia spring football practice getting cranked up. So a lot of excitement about that. The uh, Georgia basketball season has now come to an end, so we'll do a little post-mortem there. It's interesting. It's the, the, the season was not a good one, but I, I feel like there is still excitement about the program moving forward in the next season, especially with a, one, uh, one big-time recruit that Georgia was able to uh, reel in. And as we're sitting here recording this, we're on the eve of the start of uh, SEC baseball season getting uh, cranked up, conference play on the way. And uh, we'll talk a little uh, Georgia baseball, too, as they get set to begin SEC play. But we'll go ahead and just start with Georgia basketball, Dave. The uh, team losing in the SEC tournament to, uh, to Missouri. It's uh, one of the worst seasons Georgia's had. It's worst conference record since the uh, 70s in the first year under Tom Crean. Um, but there still is, I feel, a... I mean, there's a lot of excitement still and buzz going forward and, and uh, moving into next season, and primarily it has to do with Anthony Edwards. The transition this year was worse than I thought it was going to be. I remember in the preseason, hey, the dogs are picked to finish 13th, and I thought, wow, that doesn't sound great. That's a little worse. And then as it turned out, it they was were exactly right. right. And I guess thanks to Vanderbilt having the – worst season in the history of the SEC right oh and 19 yeah I Jeff looked it up and the last team to the only bummer about that the last team that went winless in the SEC was Tech in the 50s it, it, it was oh and what oh and I think he said maybe 14 or 16 so, but not 18 yeah, yeah and, and now 19. 19 yeah so oh and 19 honestly that if we see that again in our lifetime, that would probably be bizarre when you think. I mean, that's it's just as hard to go zero and nineteen as it is nineteen and zero, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. So, thank goodness for Vanderbilt's, you know, literally historically worst ever season in the history of the conference. This wasn't a good one for the dogs. Obviously, I didn't see two and I didn't see sixteen and two coming, but I also didn't see two and sixteen coming and. Georgia played hard, but it was almost like after the Florida game and then losing Hammond. I know Hammonds didn't play in the Florida game, but it was almost like, oh, we beat the Gators, and it was just like, it was just, you know, there was no, there was nothing left in the tank. And I didn't realize until I guess did they say it on the broadcast that um, Georgia didn't lead at halftime of any game except. For the Vandy game, that was the last. That was the last time they led at right. half was yeah. January 9th. Was January, so in, so the, in the, SEC play, in SC, yeah, because yeah. they were tied at the half with Texas. 
Yeah. So you have to go back to the Vandy game. It was January 9th was their last halftime lead. Yeah. yeah. So And a lot of those halftime deficits were double-digit deficits, too. So there were just a lot of turnovers. There was a lot of bad starts and just a lot of not being able to get it going. And I get it. I mean, it was it was a transitional year, but it still felt like it was a little bit worse than, than I had expected. But it's done. It's not like anyone saying, all right, this was worse than we thought. we got to get a new basketball coach. There's nothing like that. I think everybody still feels confident in Coach Crean. But he's got to you know have a big offseason here, and, he, and hopefully Claxton comes back. The talk about him thinking about turning pro, I think, is a little bit weird. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. I'm, I'm assuming he's back. Yeah, I would think that all the, uh, the draft folks tell him if he submits his name for like the analysis or whatever, it's like, come back for another year at least and see where you are. I get why he's intriguing, too. Yeah, he's 6'11". Yeah, he, he can play several positions. He's long. Yeah, he can handle the ball. Yeah, yeah, I get all that, but at the same time, it's – Let's see what you do in your junior year because your sophomore year was was really very very good. So with Hammonds and and hopefully Claxton and I don't know with Harris Crump these other guys and Ant Man, there's at least a, a, a small nucleus to kind of build on for next year. Yeah, I think another intriguing one of the the guys who's actually already signed too that's kind of getting overlooked now because of Edwards is that Jaquan Walton right. from uh, I guess he's from Alabama. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in Alabama, yeah. but he had been once committed to Mississippi State. You know, Auburn wanted him, Bama yeah. wanted him, Florida wanted him. So he's a guy you look at some of his other uh, offers, and he yeah, he beat out SEC schools to get him, yeah, not smaller schools, right? And a one-time commitment to to Ben Howland too. And Mississippi State's going to be a, a tournament team this year, I guess. On the you know, the, so the plus side really, it's come down to the future at least looks bright because you've got this guy who is committed, who is the it's the biggest biggest he's the biggest kid that's any ever committed to Georgia. As far as just his recruiting yeah, profile, yeah, just his profile of whatever he rates, he's the the no, Georgia's never had one like this. Yeah, he's a, I, I, you know, the different services. I've seen him one, I've seen him two, I've seen him three. Right, but he's basically a top three recruit nationally, the number one player in the state. Guys like that, we've just have grown used to going to play at Kentucky, sure. Duke, North Carolina. <laughs> so he comes here. Um, you know, but so there's there's that that's a positive going forward. But, you know, on the other side of that, as far as how lousy the season was, you look at Ole Miss, Kermit Davis was in his first season there. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. So even the the first year of, well, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but Ole Miss had a good season under a, a new head coach, too. So there's... And you know what else about Kermit Davis? Middle Tennessee, I think, finished last in Conference USA. Yeah, I mean that's a good sign. Then. That it's like okay, you know that that guy went from being good enough to get the Ole Miss job to seeing his former team just you yeah, know, they, I don't know. They might have lost eight feet. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the story on middle, but it is kind of interesting that his former team had a had a rough year, and the new team that he had definitely exceeded expectations. Off top, well, not off topic, but he gets coach SEC coach of the year, right? He did, yeah. Yes. Will Wade is the SEC Coach of the Year if it's not for all this other stuff, right? There's no – I mean, how can you – I mean, if you take the other stuff off the table, he's the SEC Coach of the Year, is he not? Probably, yeah. <laughs> he would have to be. Now, I did – like, to be fair to Kermit Davis, they were picked to finish 14th. Right. And right. they're going to be in the tournament. So, right. you know, there's a 
a case to be made for him, but I what was LSU pick to finish? They were like sixth. Yeah, yeah. But I no, but I would have to believe that yes. the, that Will Wade would have been named the coach of coach the year of the if he year. wasn't currently suspended right, for right. being on wiretaps. I thought you would agree with that, but I just wanted to run that by you that I thought that was that was interesting. Yeah, like Dale Brown's got to have a talk with him. Like Dale Brown <laughs> would know. Like, listen, I never, I never put, I never spoke on anything that could be recorded. So. <laughs> I Just mean, because you have a burner phone doesn't mean they can't record you from your burner phone. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea, though, if you think like of uh, of an LSU coach that's in trouble because he was negotiating some deal for a uh, player, and you know, like, I'm sure Dale Brown never did that. <laughs> but I'm sure Dale Brown was smart enough to know to never do it on the phone. Yeah. But uh, just completely bizarre story. But I'm thinking it's so funny how Will Wade, to me, is like the obvious SEC coach of the year. But Kermit Davis did do – a very good job, but you know the SC, the coaches or the S, the league's probably saying we can't have Will Wade be the SEC coach of the year. The guy's suspended; and he's probably more than likely not going to coach for them again. And even if like even if the league got back the survey, and I guess you couldn't vote for yourself, so even if thirteen of the coaches had <laughs> voted for Will Wade, somebody <laughs> in the league office would have just had to say like, no. Nope. <laughs> I know. Well, Kermit know. Davis got that one vote, so yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's who we'll go with instead. But uh, yeah, with we know so with Tom Crean, if you look at his first couple years at Indiana, they went one in seventeen mm-hmm. in the Big Ten and six and twenty five overall. They won four games the next year and three the year after that, and then they ended up winning a couple conference titles and playing in a few Sweet Sixteens. But that's Indiana. They've won the Big Ten before. They've won national championships before. This is Georgia. We haven't done stuff like that. Don't you think, and you mentioned Marquette, you mentioned Indiana, and I totally agree with it's interesting that he's. it, it seems like he's not afraid to tear it down and, and build it back up. That's what the records look like from his previous head coaching jobs. Right. And it, this seems to fit the M.O. Maybe it's not the exact same thing, but with where he's been before, he has started – low and built up i think with a core though where you've got hammonds again talking about claxton i'm i'm gonna assume claxton is coming back and then adding edwards as a freshman george is still gonna have to find right at right now what a point guard for next year and maybe some more muscle in the post yeah you, i mean you probably have to look in the transfer portal i don't know how they're gonna do that but there are but you know still a couple of holes to fill but just with between hammonds claxton and uh and edwards I mean, this is a team that should at least elevate. Uh, I mean, somewhere at the worst in the middle of the pack of the conference next year, though. I would and not think be so sitting too. at you know, like from Indiana, go from one, you know, one in one win to, to four wins. But think of uh, also all the um, the other schools that are having success right now: Ben Hallen at Mississippi State, Bruce Pearl at Auburn, Rick Barnes at uh, Tennessee. They all got off to rocky starts when they took over in the conference as well. Yeah, they so they were in the same boat that it feels like Georgia is now. That's why I'm I'm not getting all crazy about this two and sixteen conference record. Right, it's just a matter of like how much how long do you wait? Because yeah, last year was Barnes' third year and right. they shared the SEC title with Auburn, which was Pearl's fourth year right. there last year. Uh, you know Frank Martin. If you want to throw him in there yeah, too, they had some example. lean years. But oddly enough, they've only been to one tournament with right. him. But they went to the Final Four the one time <laughs> they cashed. In. They got there, and they they're not the going this year. Greenville. They're not going this year either. 
Yeah, the, the thing about them is, yeah, they've got to win, even though they're the four seed, they got to win the SEC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I was looking at the, the odds to win the SEC tournament a couple of days ago, and Auburn was like 5-1, to one, and who Auburn would play if they win, and we're recording this, maybe they have. Yeah, By the time yeah. you're listening to this, maybe they have, it's, maybe yeah. they haven't, but they'd be playing South Carolina. South Carolina was 40-1. to one. Yeah. As the team sitting with the double bye. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they beat Auburn during the regular season. They did. So I know, it was there's a, that. That was one of the wackiest years in the conference. But yeah, and then Howland was, I guess this is his fourth year there, yeah. and they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. So there were lean years early, although none as lean as this, but it's not like Barnes showed up at Tennessee and they were immediately yeah. great. But it, you know, was it wasn't that long either. It was two, three years and they got it rolling again. So uh, you know, like I said, I think for next year, I don't know. I don't think it's a NCAA tournament or bus type season for Georgia, right. but you know, I think this is a team that, when you just look at those three guys and bringing in a high profile recruit like Edwards, that should at least be able to elevate uh, uh, the middle of the pack in the SEC. And if you are now in the middle of the pack in the SEC, you're at least in the conversation of an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, like I think it looks like the league's going to get seven teams in this year there's the obvious ones that uh you know between uh kentucky tennessee and uh lsu lsu i think auburn is auburn's in in, i think mississippi state's in and then i think you know ole miss is potentially in ole miss is in and florida's going to be an interesting case they have got to beat Arkansas. I know this is being recorded right when this, this game is tipping off, but if they don't beat Arkansas, they're going to the NIT. They're probably out. Yeah. Because they've got one bad loss, loss in there late in the year. And they played L- and they had a chance last week with LSU and Kentucky to to notch a good win, and they couldn't they in either could. of those yeah. games. But um, it, that, And that's the thing with, with Georgia's season, too, that has been – the kind of strange how it unfolded is that the at, after that first Ole Miss loss when Tom Green made his his the post game comments he was upset and ended up walking them back that was like one of those points of the year where you think I mean this could really go sideways now if the uh, you know if the players kind of give up but at that point Georgia ended up playing its best basketball of the season with those close losses leading up to that win at Florida but they followed that up by playing really the last three games have been the worst the team has played all year Mm -hmm. scored 39 points against Missouri and then what 46 in that loss to South Carolina and then the the game the other night against Missouri again in the SEC uh, tournament wasn't great either so you know the beginning of the year was there were ugly losses but Georgia was playing Tennessee Auburn Kentucky Florida and LSU right out the bat the schedule was brutal but so they started to play well toward the end of the year and still fighting hard, and then won at Florida, and then closed out though with just the really the worst of the year. Like I said earlier, it was like they beat Florida, and then that was just that it was, was good it. enough. That was it. You know, they'd been busting it for several weeks, and they finally got over the hump there against Florida, and just there was just nothing left. All right, one, before we take a, a quick little break, yeah. look ahead to uh, to next season. What's your what's your mandatory expectation then for <laughs> for what we know? Right, that's the thing. There might be some attrition other than seniors, so if there is, that could take the the wind out of the sails. But at least five hundred in the conference, right? I'm right there with you. Yeah, that's my expectation for next year. Yeah. 
I don't, you know, the non-conference, I don't know, they play the, they're going to Maui, which always right. has a good feel. Yeah. So, let's be honest, a young team going out west early on in the year, I mean, they could take a couple of losses there sure. for sure. I don't know what the rest of it's going to end up looking like, but, you know, once they get into SEC play, yeah, let's at let, nine and nine. Come on. We've got to win more conference games than Georgia State because Georgia won two conference games this year and Georgia State won two SEC games this year. They beat us in Alabama. They beat us bad. I know. I know. So they've <laughs> that really when we were over at Georgia State for baseball last night, they they I mean it wasn't like mockingly but that was brought up that they had won as many SEC games as Georgia had. Like, yeah, well, it is did. true. You did. Like so, but, you know, Tech has to own that, too. Georgia State's the best basketball yeah. program in the state. They are. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, yeah, I think our expectations are the same. Not Final Four, not Sweet 16, but at least be in the postseason conversation, whether it's NIT or NCAA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, it's the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen and uh, Watkinsville. Chris Brame, David Johnston with you. We'll uh, take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk some spring football and a, a baseball mention, too, as the dogs Big get deal, to, Weird, uh, interesting baseball news that, that Coach Strickland broke for us this morning. Yeah. We'll mention it on the other side. And to mention that, too, which could maybe help the early portion of the schedule yes. before league play starts. Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen. Here on 960theref.com. Friends and family piled around the table, sharing big cheesy slices of pizza, golden baked calzones and strombolis, played fulls of zesty lasagna. It's not Nana's Kitchen in Southern Italy. It's Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. At Fully Loaded, you'll find all these Italian favorites like wings, salads, and hoagies. A full bar and patio, too. Family dinner, date night, or hanging out with friends. Get more out of it at Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in the Manners Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. The Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen here on 960theref.com. A reminder, too, if you want to be a part of the festivities here, Email us a, a fully loaded question of the week. Just send it in to a 960 the ref at coxradio.com. You got it. If we pick your question during the week and read it and answer it here during the uh, crossover podcast, we'll give you a, a gift card to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen. It's that simple. All you have to do is type something and hit send, and uh, you'll win some free <laughs> pizza from Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in uh, Watkinsville. Uh, spring football now less than a, a week away. And uh, I, I feel like with this spring, it's uh, we're kind of entering like the, the team really doesn't have what's the biggest question the team has. It, it's really there's is, is spring even going to be exciting this year, Dave? My biggest question is not really a question and it's not something that you can actually like hold or, you know, like actually see. But it is a thing. And I, and, and I don't think it's a it's a bad thing, but it's just this spring will be important for replacing the coaches. We've got a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. And, you know, good teams go through this, so that's not anything new. But you do want to have a good spring in the sense of how the defense is run and how the offense is run and how Coach Coley does and how Dan Lanning does. I'm just saying it's not anything we can actually see. It's not anything we would notice. But I know it's important for Kirby and the coaching staff and and everybody else over there to know – their roles and know what they're going to be doing going into the season. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's the coaching stuff is as big as anything, but that's not something we can actually see or 
or, or you know, feel or anything like that. I know it sounds kind of weird to say that. And I, I think they'll be fine, but I think that's a big deal for, for the coaches and for the, for the program is to have all that stuff in place and, and know where they're headed when the uh, Vandy game rolls around. And assume that the overall philosophies of both sides are going to stay pretty yeah. much the same because Georgia promoted from within. Although, according to uh, Eddie Grand, <laughs> uh, James Coley was our second choice. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, you know, still, he was here. I don't think we're going to the, – the offense is really going to look different. The defense isn't uh, going to look different. They've got their uh, – the core things that they want to do, and I think those are going to pretty much stay the same. But from I, I just think of, like, years past where we've had between uh, – you know, there, was, there was Murray and Mettenberger. Mm-hmm. Then there was Fromm and yeah. Eason. Then there was Fromm and Fields. We've had these, you know, these quarterback battles yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But now it's just – you know, there's Mathis and there's Stet the Jet. Yeah. You know, but the the backups are and, just getting a chance to see them. And, I mean, I assume that's what G-Day's going to be. It's going to be Team Stetson and, and Team Dwan for the most part. I mean, Fromm's going to play some. But by the fourth quarter, there's going to be two guys playing quarterback that we that we're, don't know, don't know their names. Or there might be – we've seen this too where one guy ends up playing quarterback on both sides <laughs> – so oh, yeah. you know that's what we're dealing with for quarterback this spring, and I'm good with that. Well, I, I to me, I think both of them really need to to, to get tested against the first team defense because yeah. one of them, and I guess right now the early line would be on Stetson Bennett being the our backup quarterback, right? But really, I mean, how, what do we know about Stetson Bennett other than he's been a uh, you know this mythical practice squad phenom? Mm-hmm. Well, but beyond that, I mean, we really don't have any idea if he really did have to come in and play quarterback in an SEC game, what that would look like. So, I mean, we need to kind of see him against our first team defense and like, well, how's he going to handle that? And then even in that situation, they know that you're not going after the quarterback 100% like you would be in a regular game, too. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about getting sacked. That's right. So even in that situation, the pocket's closing or he wants to roll out, he knows he's not going to get annihilated so it's still not quite the same thing there I know you can't completely simulate a regular season game but I agree with you how is he going to do against the ones yeah I mean right he's he's the backup I mean there's Dwan Mathis but Bennett's the backup yeah I mean we really need to see how that would uh how that would go because right now I mean the 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 thing the thought would be that I mean Jake Fromm might be like the most important player on any team in the country as far as needing him to take like every snap well, what's the situation at Bama what's the situation at Clemson well you know Bama doesn't have uh they don't have Hurts anymore right what's the situation at Oklahoma speaking of Hurts what's the situation at Ohio State I mean it and I guess at least Clemson has uh I guess Bryce is their backup yeah. but you know all, all all these schools that everyone's predicting to be in the playoff are hinging on their quarterback staying healthy. Yeah. Well, Tua and Tua, who was banged up last year, I guess now they've got Tawa. That's right. Have his brother. That's right. Uh, but it, like, that's the thing with Stetson Bennett is, I guess he's a scholarship guy now, but he's a former walk-on yeah. who went and threw like 14 interceptions last right. year in junior college. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that looks like an alarming number for a JUCO quarterback. I guess you know you don't know all this, the the story behind each interception where tip passes, guys running wrong. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But it still seems level. like a a high number. So I don't know what to to think of that. 
But it just seems to me like, yes, we're in that situation with Fromm that I think several of these other programs that are trying to get to the playoff are also in the same boat. No hunting, <laughs> no fishing. No, no boating. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was boating last yeah, year, got too. Yeah, something. It was a, yeah, he got stuck with a fish, something, uh, fishing line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, go live in a plastic bubble all summer long. Yeah. Do not have fun like everyone else does right. when they're on summer break. When you think of that, are you thinking Travolta or are you thinking Seinfeld? Of which one? Of the plastic bubble. or uh, Oh, I always think of uh, Seinfeld, okay. the bubble boy. <laughs> the bubble boy. Yeah. But, you know, the old John, the boy in the plastic bubble, you know, Travolta, I think, was the was in that, too. So that's what we need Jake Fromm to be. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, I'll, I'll get him a suit of armor. He can just walk around in that so nothing, uh, nothing happens Whatever to him. Whatever it takes. But, like, I mean, George is the I, – I, when you think about the running backs right now, we might just throw the ball all spring because don't, we don't need to see Swift run. Uh, I think Cook was – didn't he have some surgery yeah. during the offseason? So he's probably not. I guess McIntosh isn't here. We know Zamir White's not going to be uh, ready for the spring. I mean, Harry and I guess could be, but – I think we know what he can do. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I'm good with that. Yeah. So I yeah, don't even know. Just throw every play. Yeah. We don't need to. We don't need running backs during spring, and we. But the, that's the key is like you know Mathis and Bennett and seeing what those guys could do and trying to settle some wide receiver rotation too. A lot of Prather Hudson. A lot of uh... Jeff was saying he heard he was hurt. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe no Prather Hudson either. <laughs> but Which, by the way, I love those guys. I know we, they don't get the fanfare, but this is going back to Bennett. They're they're very 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 important. Well, isn't he the one who ran over Laura Rutledge? It, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Prather Hudson, not yes. Bennett. Yeah. No, yeah. Prather Hudson. And then hit her up to try to like date her, but she's married. <laughs> she's married. <laughs> that was funny. But those guys on as I, I'll never forget Boss Bailey telling me one time he's like, I'll tell you what, those guys, uh, you know, they're not important on Saturday, but they're important on Tuesday and Wednesday. And and I do, I think every everybody should appreciate that too. Well, and that's where the legend of Stetson Bennett has come exactly. from. Was him, if you know, you talk to the players, they think he's as valuable. For their success in 2017, is is uh, Sony and Chubb? Yeah, the way way he mimicked Baker yeah. Mayfield leading yeah. to the Rose Bowl, and and I hear I I get it. I guess Tex quarterbacks too, and being able to do all of uh, all of that. So, I mean, Georgia's solid on the offensive line. Yeah, there's got to be some rotation at receiver that'll get sorted, but Georgia hadn't been recruiting at the level it's been recruiting to for us to really worry a whole lot about. Oh, Miko left, Ridley left, Terry Godwin was a senior. Like we'll we'll be fine. We got good players there. The secondary might be the, you know, the one spot that after J.R. Reed could get a little, uh, you know, have some question marks. But any name we throw out there was like a high four-star, five-star recruit. So there's Tyson of- Campbell got, you know, he was basically he had to learn under fire. Yeah. You know, we see you know Devad Wilson come out and play in the Sugar Bowl. We see uh, like a guy like Eric Stokes who can make some just great plays. Yeah, who ended up only taking over for Campbell after right. a, a couple of games during the season. We we know know is we don't have half the field locked down anymore because Baker's because gone. Baker's gone. But one of these guys might be DeAndre. Yeah, might like, be the next one. Like I don't want to turn into an Alabama fan, but there is a part of me that's. This is why Georgia's been recruiting at the level it's <laughs> yeah, been recruiting. Is you're going to lose great players. 
But the point is you recruit at a high level so that, yeah, Baker's gone, but there's some high four-star, five-star recruit that maybe doesn't have the experience yet but is going to end up filling those shoes. So it's, uh, it's not as much of a sweat. You know, it might be an unknown right now, but I'm like in the end of the, the end of the day, like we'll be all right there. If you were taking off your red and black glasses, and you, yours aren't as red and black as some of ours, literally on the schedule next year, I know it's it's a tougher schedule than we had this year, but like how how many games on the schedule would you call a, a toss up? If you weren't a Georgia fan and you weren't Jeff getting nervous over Tech, but <laughs> if you know how many toss ups. Would you just say, looking at the schedule, are there? Do you think Tennessee is a toss-up? No. Do you think Florida's a toss-up? Based on what we've done to them the last two years, no. But I'm still not not at the point where I'm ready to commit to, oh, yeah, we're going to Jacksonville and winning. Right. I mean, Auburn over there, you know, that's going to be tough. Yeah. A&M comes here. That, you know, do you consider that a toss-up? No, no. To I me, mean, the, the, to me, the biggest issue with the schedule is just it is tougher. The fact that you got five tough November games, uh, you know, the we got two straight opponents, Missouri and, and Auburn, that play us off buys. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing about yeah, that Auburn. There's game. that aspect of scheduling too. South Carolina's got a buy before they play us too, but but will we <laughs> we will, will Georgia be favored? <laughs> yes, we are on the team. Will the dogs be favored in every game this year? Yes. I, I think they will, too. And the only one I think they, like, depending on how the seasons go, would be Auburn. Auburn right? on the road, yeah. Auburn on the road. Yeah. But other than that, I think they'll be favored in every game. Yes. Yeah, that doesn't right mean they'll now. win every game. No. But, but, the, but every single game has a higher probability of victory but, than loss. But when, yeah, exactly. But what the recruiting is showing us here and what we're going to see here over the next couple of years, and if Georgia continues, and, and you know, it sounds like the 2020 class is going to be, again, a number one or two class in the country that instead of having to say, oh, the, the, the Kentucky game, that's going to be a tough one this year or the, you know, what, what you would consider one you wouldn't even have to think about, at least you have now taken this program to the level where, okay, you're sweating the Auburn game on the road. Maybe Florida, but there aren't as many trap. There aren't as many trap games or games that you would call a toss up. No, there's less and less of those. And we're going to smoke Notre Dame. Okay, I didn't even think about Notre. Yeah, yeah, because we hold them. We're holding them accountable for not being in the playoff last year. That is correct. So we are ticked off about that one. And by the way, if both of those teams aren't my only, here's my only concern about Notre Dame is that probably game day will be here that weekend. Oh, it will be. And I just, I don't know. Maybe the game day curse isn't what it used to be. I don't know. I haven't gone back to look. But it just seems like the home team always has a little bit of a, a struggle sometimes with game day. But you know what? I don't even, I'm don't. i not even going to worry about that. We, Georgia's recruited to the level of even that kind of stuff. They're going to be far more uh, talented than Notre Dame is. And well, I don't know about far more, but they're going to be more talented Notre Dame playing in Athens, maybe at night, maybe on seat. I don't know. But this it will all right. Here's a prediction: Will Georgia be a double-digit favorite when that game kicks off? Yes, I think I th- at least ten points. That's what I think too. Yeah, at least 10. I think so too. So if you're a ten-point favorite, and I know our man T <laughs> always loved the underdog when it was ten, but if you're a ten-point favorite, you got to go take care of business. And they will, yeah. And yes. I think this team now is these players have been programmed to the point that all of the the 
the distractions that usually come with game day won't be. They won't get caught exactly. up in all that hysteria. But I think that's definitely here because I was uh, I actually was talking to David Pollock not long ago, yeah, and he was mentioning you know like. He has an easy job, obviously. It's a good job, Mm -hmm. but the travel isn't, you know, when you're like spending a weekend in Pullman, Washington, it's not all that sexy. And I I mentioned we were going to at least get one home game next year, and he actually threw out there two because he thinks the A&M game might be strong. Because they've never, well, they've been here, but not as a member of the SEC. Not as a member of the SEC, and that game, I think, even though I've never really heard anyone say this, that game is being played because TV needs a big game that week. Well, yeah. Last year they had Missouri and Tennessee. Yes. CBS did. Yeah. Yeah. How did that go for them? Not well. Right. So here's Georgia. Yeah. Being the good guy again. (laughs) Taking one for the league. Yeah. All right. uh, Before we wrap things up, a quick baseball mention. The the Georgia baseball team off to a good start from a record perspective. They're opening up conference play at uh, South Carolina. Uh, But here's my question, Dave. The strength of schedule is 244. Yep. Uh, 14 of the 17 games have been played against teams with an RPI of 151 or more. Right. Do we really know anything about this team at this point? Well, that's a great question. And you would look at the statistics and say they're going to come back more to the norm. I don't think there's any doubt about that when conference play starts. But two, three years ago, a schedule like that, we wouldn't be 15-2 and winning most of the games easily. We might be nine and eight or ten and seven yeah. with some with some close games, right? So I think we know that the talent is definitely better, and we saw that last year. And with Emerson Hancock as your Friday night guy, you feel really good about him. Tony Losey as your Sunday guy, you feel really good about him. Is this uh, is this team as as good as like fifteen and two with what you said? I guess what I take out of it is is that most of the 15 wins have been what we would call easy wins. You t- right to their on to their We're not, benefit. They didn't scrape to get to 15 and two. Georgia is tied for fifth in the country in scoring margin. Right, averaging a their average victory is five five point two runs right, per right. game, and that's a great stat because if that were a lot lower you might be a little bit more worried. Right, with the strength of schedule. The thing is, the SEC, at least right now, looks very, very tough. I think as we talk, 11 of the 14 teams are either ranked or have been ranked so far this year. So there's a a large number of SEC teams that are off to great starts. What I'm a little worried about with with conference play starting is Georgia has to go to South Carolina and then LSU comes here next weekend – so you've got two really tough, tough perennial power teams that you've got to deal with. And then after that, it's a road trip to Kentucky, and they've been better over the last few years, obviously. And then Vandy comes here. So you don't want to get buried on the schedule. Well, and, and that's the thing. Georgia hasn't seen pitching, hitting, fielding, right. anything like they're going to see Correct. over the next couple of uh, weeks. Because whoever made this year's schedule should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, that's a bad schedule to play 17 games and not – only Georgia and Missouri are the only two teams in the league that haven't played a team in the top 50 of the RPI right mm. now. And they're like, come on, we're Georgia. In the SEC, yeah. it's just your schedule shouldn't be that bad. The the Georgia Southern series, I guess, is the, That's the toughest the, one. Yeah, and, their RPI is like sixty one. Right, right, and you know that was a good one. That's the kind of stuff you know go on the road in a hostile environment. 
that's the kind of stuff you want to do in the preseason. I guess this is the, the, the stream of thought is, is like, all right, you play a very tough schedule with having to replace some key players, you lose confidence. But if you play an easier schedule, you get confidence. I mean, you can look at both sides of that. But as far as, yeah, what we've seen so far this year, we'll find out here soon enough if Georgia's going to be prepared for, um, for what they're going to see in the conference because the, the conference schedule is brutal. Which, by the way, reminds me, Coach Strickland dropped a pretty good scheduling bomb on our morning show. Is it going to get better? <laughs> <laughs> so you know how uh, we're always envious that South Carolina and Clemson play their three games all on the same weekend, and they'll play one game in Columbia, they'll play one game at Clemson, and they'll play one game at Fuller Field in Greenville. Yeah, I like that model. I'm glad to hear you like that because Georgia and Tech next year are going to do that. So I believe Coach said, and I don't hold me to this, I believe he said it was the third weekend of the season. And he didn't say where, like, like Friday is either going to be in Athens or in Atlanta. Saturday, uh, Sunday is either going to be in Athens or Atlanta. And the Saturday game is going to be at SunTrust Park. Okay. So we're going to play Tech next year. In three games, but it's all going to be in one weekend before conference play starts. I, I think that. that's awesome. Yeah, because that's going to spice up the non-conference portion of the schedule before the season starts, and also give you a chance to throw your your best pitchers against each other exactly. instead of in those midweek. Exactly. Games. Yeah. So you'll get to see frontline pitchers from Tech and get to make kind of the the little tour here of Northeast Georgia and the Atlanta area. I love it. I think it's great. I'm glad that they're doing that. And the other thing, too, as well, you can have really good weather at the beginning of March. I mean, you could have bad weather, too. But if you do, if you miss a game, you've got the rest of the, the season to try to reschedule. Yeah. So you have more of a window to try to reschedule, too. I like that. That's uh, I'm glad they finally came around and did that, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll be better Absolutely. for that series. So anyway, big big stuff there from Coach Strickland. All right, don't forget, you want to be a part of the Crossover Podcast? You can. Just uh, email your fully loaded question of the week to 960theref at coxradio.com. If we use yours, we'll uh, give you a, a fully loaded Pizza Kitchen gift card. It's that easy. Do we get one of those? Um, no, I'll just come up with a question and take the pizza for just, myself. Yeah, just be anonymous. <laughs> oh, look, from anonymous. From anonymous. But that's it. All you got to do is type a question and uh, hit send. It's that simple. So uh, do that. And if we pick your question, you'll be the weekly winner and we'll give you that uh, fully loaded Pizza Kitchen gift card in Watkinsville. And uh, thanks a lot for tuning in today. We'll be back again next week with another edition of the Crossover Podcast. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes or just visit our uh, website, 960theref.com and listen to us there on demand. For David Johnston, I'm Chris Brain. The Crossover Podcast, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover, presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.